This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. What I'm trying to get across to you, and again, I feel like I'm saying it 50 different ways, but it's still the same thing. What I'm trying to focus on is very simply this. Jesus did miracles not because he was the Son of God. The Bible says that he laid aside his heavenly power and glory. And he came to the earth as a man. Jesus, therefore, was operating on the earth as a man. A righteous man. Taking the authority that was given to righteous man in the Garden of Eden. And the devil had no place in him. None whatsoever. And he delegated that authority as a righteous man. Anointed of God. Remember John was baptized or Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. If Jesus is operating on the earth as the son of God. Now don't get me wrong. He was the son of God. But he was operating. If he was operating on the earth as the son of God. Who can anoint God? What purpose would there be? What possibility would there be for the Holy Ghost to come down and anoint God? God means you're on the top. If you're on the top, you can't be anointed. Do you see the point? Jesus was operating on the earth as a man. He was the son of God, but he laid all that aside. And he was operating on the earth as a righteous man who then, when he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, began to do miracles. But I would submit to you that there were miraculous or supernatural things that happened in Jesus' life even before we have record of the miracles. Else, why would Mary give the instruction that she did to the servants at the the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. She knows there's something about what he says to be done. And she communicates that to the servants before Jesus ever turns the water into wine. Which the Bible says was the first recorded miracle. So she knew there was something about this guy. Why? Before then he wasn't anointed of the Holy Ghost. But he was still a righteous man. See authority doesn't come on the earth because you're anointed of the Holy Ghost. It comes because you are righteous. And made righteous by the blood and the life of Jesus. So when Jesus delivers this to his disciples, the 70, says, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then he says, But don't get excited about that. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because righteousness is the foundation. I think we in charismatic circles have focused on the power instead of focusing on the foundation for it. And I think that's why we do see Many miracles, many signs and wonders take place, but we see very little character, even among ministers. See, folks, for me, the fact that the Bible says that Jesus bought me both spiritually and physically, it says both my spirit and my body were were bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, that's why I don't drink. That's why I don't smoke, I won't do drugs, and I won't get tattoos. Now, let me ask you a question. Some people are going to get offended at that. And I'm not saying this to offend anybody or bring condemnation on anybody. I don't care what you do. This is my conviction. If it's not your conviction, that's okay with me. I work this conviction out between me and the Lord. So don't judge me for it. And I won't judge you otherwise. But let me ask you a question. If you or somebody you knew bought a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari or even a Bentley, would they put a bumper sticker on it? 
They wouldn't, would they? Has anybody ever seen a rose with a bumper sticker? And the reason that they wouldn't is because they value what they got. They purchased it at a great price. And they value what they have. Well, Jesus bought my body. So I'm not going to put alcohol in it. I'm not going to smoke, put nicotine in it. Or drugs. And I'm certainly not going to put a bumper sticker like a tattoo. Now, if you're driving a Honda and it doesn't matter to you, that's okay. But for me, it comes down to the appreciation of what was purchased. Why would it be any differently in any other area of life? Why would I want to sin in any other way? You pick it. Your favorite one. I don't care. Why would any of us want to operate or want to participate in sin? Participate in sin when we know that Jesus purchased us. Isn't that the same principle? It is whether we recognize it or not. Can you say amen? I love Paul's letter to the Romans. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on on some of the things that I say about it. And that's okay. But I appreciate the book of Romans because not only is, is it the most doctrally concise letter that he wrote. I mean, start to finish. It's, this thing's just chock full of doctrine. But it also explains Paul's struggles in his own spiritual walk. But notice what he's come to realize. And I, I don't believe that Paul had anything more than you and I from the standpoint that when he was saved, he didn't know it all any more than you and I know it all when we get saved. Paul learned. He grew and he developed spiritually just like we grow and develop spiritually. He had the benefit of having some visions of Jesus early on So there may have been some things that he had access to that that we now have access to through his writings. But I'm, I'm fully convinced, completely convinced that Paul didn't even understand the things that Jesus said to him when they, when he, when he was first told them. Well, why would it be any different from Paul? We look after some of these men in the scripture and we think, wow, they just had stuff we didn't have. No, they didn't. They were men just like you are. They were human just like you. They learned things things as they went, just like you. Paul got to the place where he said, I'd be willing to give up my salvation if it meant the salvation of Israel. You think he started there? I see him standing in Acts chapter 26. I see him standing before the high priest. And the high priest struck him and he turns around to the high priest and says, the Lord will strike you down for that. Doesn't sound like he's real loving and kind in that situation, did it to you? Paul grew just like we grow. But notice what he said. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, talking about Adam, talking about the, the, the sin in the Garden of Eden, the sin that, that doomed mankind to, eternal, uh, to spiritual death. It would have been eternal except for Jesus. Notice he says in verse 17, for if, literally since, there are four different words, uh, four different words that are translated if in the King James or from the... From the uh, Greek to the King James New Testament, the English. Four different words, four different tenses. This is the first tense, and it says if, meaning he's posing a question, uh, a rational thought, a logical step of reasoning, 
And literally it means sense. For if by one's man, one man's sin, literally sense by one man's sin, death reigned by one. Well, what death? Physical death? No, spiritual death. One of the byproducts of spiritual death is physical death. Adam wasn't made subject to death in any form whatsoever. And it took 930 years of spiritual death to overtake his body and kill him physically. For since by one man's offense, sin, Adam's sin, death, spiritual death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. The abundance of grace just means God's loving kindness to send Jesus to the earth to finish the work. I like to summarize it and say grace just simply means the finished work of Jesus. Because everything God's ever done for us is culminated in Jesus and his work, isn't it? So grace, which is the favor of God, which has many different uh, definitions, is most simply defined in my thinking as the finished work of Jesus. Much more, since death reigned by one man's Adam's sin, much more they which receive the abundance, the overflow of the finished work of Jesus and the gift of righteousness, which is what everything Jesus did was for, is so that you could be made righteous. Being born again means you take out the old spiritually dead spirit from a man and place a new spirit in him, a righteous spirit. It's the reconstitution, it's the recreation of man as the righteous creature that God made him to be in the Garden of Eden. Only more. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace, the finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness. Now, of all the things that, that Paul could have said by the Holy Ghost that are the benefits of that, notice the one that he makes mention of. He makes mention that righteousness results in reigning or authority in life through Jesus. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross and on the cross, Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being, and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, what's the focus? Is the focus righteousness or reigning? Remember in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, don't get excited because the devils are subject to you in my name. Get excited because you've been made righteous. Now, for them, it was a promise of righteousness. For us, it's a reality of it. He said, that's what you get excited about. You know what it seems to me? And again, you judge this for yourself. But it seems to me there's a, the, that as we, as we hear of some of these truths, we go around trying to be righteous. And you can, you can nearly, well, 
nine times out of ten, maybe even more than that. But you can usually identify where somebody is. I, I see this a lot in, in, uh, in modern circles with, uh, with the grace message. And I have nothing against the grace message. The grace message is the finished work of Jesus. But I see a lot of these graces that are going around trying to prove that they're righteous. And in many cases, they're doing it trying to serve the flesh. They'll drink to prove that I'm righteous. This doesn't do anything with my relationship with God. Okay, well, enjoy yourself. They'll use the abundance of grace, or what they think it is, as an occasion to serve their flesh, to live like the world. Well, that really doesn't bother me. It bothers me when somebody tries to teach that and promote that. But I don't really care because that's where a lot of people start off with anyway. We're all growing in some way or another. I know when I first heard the prosperity message, I used the prosperity message selfishly. And God still answered my prayer. He still honored my faith in some respects. But I grew out of that. I came to realize that the real benefit of prosperity is not just having your needs met, but having enough to help somebody else. Well, God didn't get mad at me until I grew there. If he had gotten mad at me, I never would have grown to be there. We're that way with our kids. We can see our kids selfish. Uh, Christmas, we love Christmas because we load the floor up with toys. And the kids tear through one toy to get to another toy, to get to another toy, wrap paper, pull paper, and turn around at the end. They've got a pile of, of stuff, and they'll say, is that it? Thinking we shop for three months. You destroyed this in 30 seconds. We envisioned... Oh, mom and dad, thank you so much. This was such a great gift. No, chunk that and go for another one. Right? Well, we don't stop buying them gifts. Even if we threaten to. We've had a couple of Christmas. We said, that's it. We'll never get another thing. As long as we live, never another thing. And we do. So I see a lot of people growing through righteousness, if you understand what I mean by that. I'll try to explain. I see a lot of people trying to be righteous. I'm being righteous. I'm being righteous. It doesn't matter if I drink. It doesn't matter if I cuss. It doesn't matter if I smoke. I'm righteous. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to be righteous. And then you get to the place where, you, where it settles in and you just realize, hey, I am. I'm not righteous because I'm doing something or because I'm not doing something. See, some people will hear the things that I just said about my choice not to drink or smoke or whatever, and they'll say, oh, there's under bondage. Well, bondage to what? Bondage to the purchase of Jesus? Okay, I'll take that. Doesn't mean I can't. means I choose not to. But you have to grow there. It doesn't start off there. And even if it does start off there because of some religious training or something like that, it's not the real you. You have to grow to the place where you come to, to terms with, you know, they've got, a, they've got a, a, a phrase where people say, or they, it's said of other people that they're comfortable in their own skin. I think we have to become comfortable with our own Christianity. Paul said to work out your own salvation. What's he saying? He's saying grow into who you are. So it doesn't matter to me if you're where I am. Doesn't bother me at all. Just don't try to get me to come where you are. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about it from a mature position, a mature perspective. Jesus didn't go around doing miracles and said, wow, did you see that one? 
He didn't come to, to where somebody was possessed of the devil and say, come out of him in Jesus' name and turn around and say, everybody got that? Can we get that one on tape? No, in fact, Jesus does works and turns to people and says, no, don't tell anybody about that. Are you serious? Now, if they'd been as mature as he, then maybe they have, wouldn't have told anybody about that. I've even heard some people say, well, Jesus was using reverse psychology. Jesus knew if he told them, don't tell, that's what they'd do. Give me a break. I didn't know Jesus was a manipulator. No, it's because people are at different places. It's okay to be wherever you are, but don't stay there. I see this a lot of times, and it becomes a real hindrance with people where they're fighting uh, against healing or fighting against sickness, fighting to, to receive their healing. I see a lot of people, bless God, the Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed. And so they work, I'm trying to get healed, I'm trying to get healed, I'm trying to get healed. The Bible doesn't say you can try to get healed, it says you are. And so that's the place of entering into rest, in my opinion. That's the place where Paul talks about entering into rest. And he's the only one that does, and it's the only place where the Bible really speaks of it, is in Hebrews chapter 4. He talks about entering into rest, seeing that we have such great promises from God. Let us strive to enter into rest. Well, how do you do that? You grow into the knowledge and the understanding of, wait a minute, it's mine. The problem with that is, it's not as fast as we want it to be. Bless God, healing is mine. I want it now. And a lot of times we want it because of what people will see in us and our greatness of faith. Not because it's what Jesus got for us. I've had so many people say, Pastor Mike, agree with me that, that such and such will happen, so I'll have a great testimony. Well, I can't agree with you based on you having a testimony. Maybe a greater testimony for you to believe God and to be healed gradually. That, really, honestly, that's a greater test of faith than an instant healing. Uh, that really excites people. much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign instantly much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall be able to say anything they want and instantly the results will occur see that's the way a lot of people read it that's the way a lot of people want it to be well i guess i can i'm safe to say we'd all like it to be that way but it wasn't even that way with jesus what if Jesus got upset because the fig tree didn't die instantly? You remember the story in Mark chapter 11? Jesus cursed the fig tree. It wasn't until the next morning that they saw. What do you think the disciples thought about when Jesus cursed it and walked away? What's Peter going to do? Stand there overnight and watch? Well, but he's the son of God. Don't you think there were times where the devil came to him and tempted him and said, well, wait a minute, he just said something that didn't work. Same stuff we're tempted with, isn't it? Any of you ever had the devil say something like that to you? You take authority in the name of Jesus, say, bless God, this is the way it's going to be. Thank you, Father, according to your word, it's done. And then nothing happens, the devil says, well, that didn't work. Well, how do we know? Because we haven't seen it yet. We're so quick to judge things by what we see. And folks, that's the real test of spiritual growth. Spiritual maturity is accepting 
that something has happened because the word of God says so. Not because we see it yet. For since by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Shall reign in life. Let me close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We know verse 17. It's one of my favorites. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's talking about spiritual things. Verse 21 is the one I want you to see, though. It says, for he, speaking of God, has made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us. Please notice God made Jesus to be sin. Jesus didn't take sin upon himself. It says Jesus was made to be sin. Made means nature. For God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. In other words, the sin that he was made was not his own doing. Adam's sin, the sin or the death that he was made was his own doing. Not so with Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that, for this reason, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Revelation chapter 1 tells us about when Jesus appears to John. I think it's about verse 18. Jesus said, uh, uh, I am he that liveth and was dead. He's talking about spiritual death. He's not talking about physical death. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. What are those? What are the keys of hell and death? By some people's thinking, Jesus is controlling who's in hell. No, that's not true. By some people's thinking, Jesus controls who lives and dies. That's not true either. Not according to Scripture. Well, then what are the keys of hell and death about? The keys of hell and death was the prison or the, the hell and death literally, was the prison that mankind was subject to because of Adam's sin. It's the spiritual death that man was sentenced to because of one man's offense, Adam. Jesus unlocked the door for any and all who accept him as Lord and Savior. That's what that means. He has the keys of hell and death, meaning he has unlocked the door for all who will accept him as their Lord and Savior and become the righteousness of God in him. And notice it's not just something that's laid upon you. It's not something that's given to you. It's something that you're made. Well, folks, if I've been made righteous, why am I trying to be it? That's like trying to say, well, I'm trying to be a man. Kind of dumb. Now, I am trying to be a better one. And that's through development of character. That's through actions and behavior and so forth. And in that sense, I'm trying to be more righteous, even though technically there's no such thing. You can't be more righteous than what Jesus made you. But you can live out righteousness more and more in your life. Well, I'm working on that too. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's part of being a better man. But I can't be a man any more than I am a man. I can't be righteous any more than I am righteous. I hope you understand what I mean by that phrase. Why would I try to be righteous when I already am righteous? 
And if I already am righteous, then I reign in life by Jesus. I don't have to try. I just do. Now, I may grow in the knowledge of how. I may grow in my experience of reigning over this and then learning to reign over sickness and learning to reign over financial hardships and stuff like that. I may learn and gain experience on how. But according to the Bible, I just do because I've been made righteous. That's why Jesus didn't make a big deal. In my opinion, you judge it for yourself. But in my opinion, that's why Jesus didn't make a big deal about the miracles. Now, he did refer to them. He told his disciples, believe me that I'm in the Father because I say so, or else believe me for the work's sake. Use the miracles if you need to to prove it. But he didn't make a big deal about them other than that. In fact, there were some that came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you're just here because of the miracles that happened yesterday. See, in my thinking, that's a good reason to be around. But he's saying there's something that goes a lot deeper than just the miracles. But you can't separate the miracles from the nature. See, your nature is what counts. But if you are righteous and know what it means, miracles will be part of it. Miracles will accompany it. Does this make any sense? God's really talking to me a lot about this stuff. And it's causing me to settle down on some things. It's causing me to, to uh, well, to exercise greater authority in certain areas. Because now I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to prove that I have something. I'm not trying to, uh, trying to work my way into something. I'm coming to the place. I'm not there yet. But I'm coming more and more to the place where I accept, wait a minute, this is the way that it is. And there's a peace associated with that. And folks, I've got to tell you, I'm getting better answers to my prayers than I've ever gotten before. Because the foundation for them. You remember James chapter 5 verse 17? The, the last, part of, or last part of verse 16. It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Coming to the understanding that I am. Not trying to be. Not, not working myself into. Not some confession thing to make it happen. But just accepting the fact that wait a minute. This is the way that it is. It's made me a whiz in prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When I go to prayer, understanding that it's my relationship with God that's the foundation for what I'm about to ask, makes all the difference in the world. I don't think God just wants that for me. He wants that for everybody. For God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made, that we were made, the righteousness of God in Christ. One of the great truths of Scripture is what Jesus told His disciples in Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That authority belongs to us as believers. We have authority in the name of Jesus over all the work of the enemy. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. The work of the devil, what happened in the Garden of Eden? 
when Adam and Eve sinned and, and rebelled against God was that man fell into spiritual death. He was held in bondage from that moment forward in spiritual death. It's spiritual death that Jesus came to destroy. Because sins, meaning behavior, wrong behavior, wrongdoing on man's part, is not the result of anything other than the fact that spiritual death began to rule on the earth. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.